Hey guys, welcome back. A few things before we get started. Don't forget to get your tickets for the Starseed Adventures Conference in Sedona, Arizona, December 11th through the 16th. It's coming up. I think the main tickets are sold out, but they have uh, the second tier, uh, which I'm not sure the pricing on that, but those, those tickets are still available. So go to the website, starseedadventures.com and check that out. And unfortunately, Aaron and I won't be there, but we highly recommend going and checking that out. And we are officially announcing our conference next May 22nd through the 25th, again in Grafton, Illinois. And Sherry will actually be one of the presenters there. And if you don't know who she is, uh, you'll find out tonight because she has some incredible information and we'll get into that in a minute. But the tickets will officially go on sale tomorrow for the conference. So stay tuned for that. Uh, one last announcement. Uh, we have a new promo code for the Hopewell Farm CBD. It's a 15% off sale that goes to the end of November. And that promo code is JTTTHANKS. You get 15% off all their products to the end of November. That link is below also. So tonight we are joined by Sherry Divband, who is the founder of the Aramis Creative Learning Center, which you guys will find out about tonight. Uh, she works with children and much more than that. She, she does some incredible work. If you don't know, her YouTube channel is under her name, Sherry Divband, and you can go check out all of her work there. I will let Sherry introduce herself better than I can, but welcome to the show. Wow. Well, thank you both for having me, Tyler and Aaron. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. We've been Tyler and I have been talking for over a year now, and and so it's great to to finally uh, come on and, and talk with you guys. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been, look, yeah. been looking forward to this. Um, I caught your presentation at the Orlando conference, and it blew me away. Uh, what you cover, I mean, it's just, you can't encapsulate it all in one presentation. There's so much there. But you're doing some really important work, especially surrounding the children. Because that is, to me, the most important thing right now, because, you know, there's all this ancestral trauma that needs to be healed and things that we need to do as parents to prepare the way for our the, the next generation. So do you want to explain a little bit about what you do as far as that goes? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, created the Aramis Creative Learning Center um, at the end of 2019. Uh, it was something that I had been putting together for about a year or so before that. Um, and even before then, my daughter, Aramis, uh, before I was pregnant with her, told me she was coming into my life, introduced herself, said she would be joining our family, and that she had an important mission and she needed my help. And at the time, I didn't quite know what that meant, but I was so excited about it that I said, absolutely. Um, you know, I had two boys at that point, so I was welcoming, you know, having a, a girl into the family. And I knew it would be spiritual based because at that point in my life, I started really working more with uh, with people because I am an RVT um, by trade. So that's an animal nurse. I've been doing that for over 20 years. So most of my life, uh, my professional life, I was uh, working with animals. I didn't really interface with a lot of people, you know, by design. There's a reason for that, which we can get into later. Um, so I became very spiritual and because of my two boys and I wanted to do something better in the world. I knew that there was more that I needed to do. And I started working with people and adults and helping them through Reiki. So I learned Reiki for animals first. And then I started working with people. And then I started seeing people's past lives. I started clearing uh, traumas in, in their in their timelines, which is what I call past lives, which are really concurrent lives. Um, and I really started helping people. And through that process, I started working with children. 
And I started realizing that there are so much more to these children than, than people have been recognized and recognizing over these past couple generations and they're different. Uh, and so I thought, man, what I think what I'm supposed to do with, with Aramis is create a, like a spiritual center for children because a lot of the, I, t- I teach a lot of classes. So I teach Reiki, spiritual development. I mean, you name it, I've, I've taught it. And, and a parent, the parents would ask me, hey, do you teach this for children? You know, do you have anything like this for children? And I said, oh, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do with Aramis. Because at this point, she was still very young. And I said, oh, I'm going to open up a spiritual center for children so they can come and learn about Reiki and, and the energy body and past lives and teleportation and, and telekinesis and all these really cool things. And then, of course, how to manage your emotions and and, and to be remain balanced and, and learn about karma and all of these things that I feel is important and necessary um, throughout their growth. And that the word got out because I started speaking publicly about it around 2019. I went on Spiritually Raw. I don't know if anybody watching this is familiar with that podcast. And I went on and I spoke about it and I said, this is what I'm doing. And I got an overwhelming response. I mean, hundreds of emails and calls. Uh, when are you going to open one of these in my area? I'm, I, we really need something like this for my children. And then it turned into, you know, the education system is not what, you know, I uh, really want for my child and they're not thriving. You know, how can we help them? Can you add curriculum based courses as well? And it just blossomed into something so much bigger. So now we're, so we launched in 2020, in January of 2020, we launched um, an online platform. So we started teaching virtual classes the examples I've given, many of which and, and many more art, music and um, Reiki and tapping and emotion coding and all sorts of things for children, crystals, how to use a pendulum, those sort of things. Then it then it blossomed into mindfulness, math and spiritual science and ETs. And like we've gotten we've gotten really into some cr- incredible subjects, astrology. So two years in, we have three time zones and about 30 mentors and we are an online only platform, but we are working to open the very first center here in Florida, uh, which is why I moved here uh, this summer. So we can open the first of many um, it, physical schools for children to go to. That is an alternative education platform. Yeah. And I, I can't wait because once the first location opens up, I, I mean, I know it's going to catch on and I know that's the future eventually. And I like how you call the creative learning center center instead of a school. Uh, because obviously we know the school system and the prison system, it's all the same one in the same. So I love what you're doing there. And I'd love to get into some of the information that you've received. So I know you work with these children and you, and you also work with their higher selves and information comes through. And some of that information is mind blowing. And I was wondering if you wanted to share any of that that came through. Yeah. So that's a good point. So aside from the uh, learning aspect I started doing a lot of one-on-ones with children and many of which were autistic and nonverbal. So really, you know, the experience or exposure that I had to a lot of these children was they weren't, they weren't speaking to me. So I had to connect to them energetically. Sometimes they weren't even there. And I'd have a session with the mom or the grandparent that was really searching to help this child and say, okay, what does this child have to say to me? Is everything okay? Why aren't they speaking? Can you give me more information? And what started happening was these children were, eager and willing to speak to somebody that could understand them. And I started to, one after another started coming to me and I learned the most incredible information. So 
a lot of the information I know, I always tell people like Sherry's not a truther, you know, I'm not a galactic informant. I'm, I'm not any of those things. And I don't even like to call myself the word. I don't like the word psychic. I, I don't use that word. But what it is, is I think I'm an ambassador for children and I'm able to communicate with them on a higher level so that they can give, they can bring forward truth. And so I have learned probably notebooks full of information that seem random and, and you know, uh, well, pretty random at the time. But when I pull it all together, I have a quite a large library of information. And people ask me, how do you know these things? And I'm like, the children are telling me, you know, they're coming in and they're looking for somebody that's going to uh, explain why they are the way they are, why they act the way they act. Why are they different? Why are they unique? Why are they labeled? You know, what are they here to do? What's their journey about? And I and I have been blown away almost every single day. Every child has something different to say to me. And then there are those that I speak, you know, to personally. And one of which there was a there was a young man that came to the conference in Orlando who is my client. And I actually spoke to him a couple of days ago and he had said it was one of the best experiences that he had. And he went up on stage and he's talking uh, on one of the breaks to the audience. And he said he's a star seed and incredible child. And this boy has taught me a lot. And he tells me, you know, he we interface one-on-one -on -one and he already knows. So a lot of children come in and they know, um, they remember everything, you know, that the veil isn't there. The veil of forget forgetfulness is no longer there. It's not present. They come in with full of wisdom and knowledge. And so, you know, the list is really long, so I don't know where you want me to start, but well, maybe give me Yeah. One. So I do, you mentioned, I know you've talked about the low energy grids that surround these schools that that children have seen. And you said, I think you've gotten this from 30 different children that all have said the same thing from all over the world. Can you explain what that is? Yes. OK, great question. And it's got to be at least 30. Uh, I've, and I've spoken with children in many countries, hundreds and hundreds of children um, from different backgrounds, both male, female, different ages. And. The question came to me probably a year and a half ago where a mother said that her her son is screaming outside of the school and refuses to enter, will never settle down because, you know, a lot of parents are trained. Oh, they'll settle down. It's OK. And then you pick them up at the end of the day and they're like, oh, and they're like, oh, they seem fine. And then they come and then it's this trauma that they're enduring every single day. But we're programmed to be like, that's OK. You know, your mommy goes to work and, and you cry yourself and you cry until you feel comfortable. But this boy, particular boy, was not would not relax the entire day. And so this mother reached out to me because she saw me in an interview. She said, Sherry, what's going on? There's, are they hurting him at school? You know, what is that? What's going on with him? So I connected to his higher self because he was too young. I think this boy was like five. I think it was kindergarten or maybe even preschool. And oh, this this boy was so eager to talk to me. He talked my ear off. And what he said to me was, listen, very matter of fact, because they don't come to me like a child. I want people to understand when I speak with someone's higher self, oftentimes it's a very wise uh, adult like being. Sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm uncomfortable talking to them because they they seem like such a wise elder, you know, and, and it's an honor to speak to them to begin with. So I don't think of them as a child. And what he said to me is there is an energetic grid that is placed around all the schools that are in the system, which most are, um, where it, what it does is it's an intricate grid that's, uh, whether it's through electromagnetic frequencies or some sort of technology or a mix of both. And what it does is it disrupts the equilibrium of the child. So when they go into the school, they um, it's almost like they become disconnected. 
and it's a negative energy. So it brings their vibration down. And what happens is it, it, it allows for them to be more in a hypnotic state so that they can be programmed and listen to the teachers and it suppresses them very much. And this particular boy said, I can feel it. And I, and it physically, it was hurting him and it made him feel uncomfortable. And it was, and he could hear ringing in his ears. And he said, I, I, I can't go in there. It's evil. And he even used the word evil. Mm. Uh, so I explained this to the mom. And at the time I was like, wow, like, how do I tell this mom that this is really like pretty bad. Right. And but of course she wasn't surprised. She, she told me, she, she said to me, she said, I'm not really surprised. I had a feeling it was something like that, which surprised me. So that was the first time I was told that. And, you know, children seem to come to me in clusters. I think the universe just guides people to the right person at the time um, when the timing is right. And so I started getting a flood of children that were telling me the same thing. And these were children from the ages of three years old that were going to go into preschool all the way to high school children that told me that they have been in that grid their whole childhood uh, experiencing it. And they didn't have anybody that understood would under they didn't feel like anyone would understand them so they never said anything um and so i had this large group of children all over the world um, it's not just in america it was in canada australia all over europe there was this one child in um uh, hungary so i mean it's everywhere there, this was happening everywhere it's not unique to the united states so these children are feeling it when they go in the door they know that the entire campus there's a grid of energy that suppresses them lowers their vibration so they're more vulnerable to manipulation and programming and it dims their light that's exactly you stole the words right out of my mouth i was gonna say it sounds like it dims their light like yeah. it's almost like a it sucks the life force out of you it's mm -hmm. it, or what it means to be human you know obviously we can go into the whole schools being indoctrination camps, but which we already know. Um, so it goes beyond just what you're taught in schools. It's an, even on an energetic level like that. It's on, so it's on these multiple levels that it's, it's uh, brainwashing the kids. It's programming them. It's, it's draining them of their energy. It's, it's make it's, and it's what we've known for so long, like schools, public schools are, they're not schools, they're indoctrination camps and they're machines that children get put in. So they come out the other side, a perfect slave for the system. Right. Yeah, and they're Rather defined than, as such, right? With the yeah. prison style uh, campuses and the fluorescent lighting. I mean, the whole thing is designed to keep yeah. them indoctrinated in this situation of programming and um, brainwashing. Right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah, and that was well said, Aaron. I, Thank you. I, <laughs> there's so much to learn from the kids. Like we would not really, so we can speculate. There's five G towers next to all the schools, right up next to them, and there's there's actually people in town locally. I know one guy trying to trying to fight to have this one taken down. That's right next to the school, and he's trying to prove that it's you know radiating these kids. But so people are trying to do something about it but you don't really understand the true effects of it until you're doing what you're doing and communicating with these children. So like, what else, is there anything else in particular that stands out to you that has come through from them? In general? Yeah. Um, you know, what, what they told me is Sherry, these, the, we are targeted from the time we are in the womb and sometimes even before, because let me tell you, children that are like, you know, we're all like, and when we come in, we have a, a, a blueprint. We have our divine blueprint. And the dark side knows when the light comes in. 
you know, sometimes I mean, I sh I have been shown the children coming in looking like comets of light, which is why our Aramis Collective logo has the, the three comets, stars coming in, because they can see them coming in and they don't want that light to come into the planet, obviously, because it conflicts with their narrative. And so what happens is they become a target. And so the way that they target these children is through uh, through the womb. They start with the mother. So they want to, if they can infiltrate the mom, they can infiltrate the child in the womb. So they have moms, you know, doing all this unnecessary, uh, you know, uh, jabs yeah. and um, testing, you know, treatments, fertility treatments. I mean, you name it, invasive and non-invasive, uh, some of which is the are, are the prenatal vitamins that are not good for women. And these poor women are taking them and trusting their doctors and it's actually poisoning their child. Um so there's a lot of ways that they can disrupt the energy flow and the life force that comes in through the womb. If they can disrupt the energy in the womb, they can disrupt the development of the child and also dim their light. Um, you know, an another big uh, issue really in the United States, but all over the world is the way that our children are birthed. You know, a, a child is supposed to come through the womb. That's how nature is intended. And over years of us going into this more of a patriarch patriarchal society, uh, the norm has taken this divine feminine away. And, and, you know, no longer can we put women on a pedestal for giving life, we put them down and they, you know, they, they make women birth their babies in shame. Uh, and I'm talking up to 150 years ago, when this really started. Um, and, and women really started to fear birth because, you know, if you look back in history, there were no documents that showed that women were screaming in pain in, in, in childbirth. There was a loving environment. There was a family around them. They weren't secluded. They were certainly weren't in a hospital. And that all changed um, about 100, 150 years ago. And, and the whole trajectory changed. And then it was fear, 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 fear. So many women are fearful throughout their entire pregnancy. And those hormones of cortisol and adrenaline are running through the body and catecholamines. And when they go into birth in trauma mode and fight or flight, then their, their baby is receiving all of that. And they have what's called a stalled birth, which really at the end of the day is the design of the dark system because they don't want the baby to go through the womb, which is why um, first world countries ironically have the highest rate of uh, C-sections because then they can take the baby out and disrupt the birthing, the, the rite of passage through the womb. So you mean it starts all the way through that. Then we have the baby formula. You know, a lot of women are taught, oh, you don't need to, to breastfeed. It's not, it's not that important. And look what they're doing with the formula right now. I mean, you can see it in the news for the last year, what they're trying to do. Um, and um, I'm going to just jump in really quick. So yeah, you're right. It, the, the womb is also a portal. It's, 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 you know, it's the closest thing to source and, yep. you know, obviously, so right out of the gate, they're literally, you know, trying to cut that off. And then the, the baby, the water, they sell separate water for babies with added, um, a fluoride. Yeah. Right. Why do they have to add the fluoride in? It's literally advertised that way as something your child would need. Absolutely. And I will be the first to admit that my first child that I had at 23 years old, 17, almost 18 years ago, I bought that fluoride water because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I literally bought that exact water. I didn't know any better. And most people don't. And that's and that's the problem. You know, we're not educated properly. We are programmed to follow what we're told, you know, and then it goes into the these things that they get, you know, 70 something of them that they get within the first few years. Uh, that contributes to lower everything is designed in the system to lower our vibration and disconnect the life force energy. And they'll do that through mm -hmm. electromagnetic frequencies, through those, 
through the food, the hormones in our food. I mean, look at how the children are developing now of the girls as a compared to previous generations. I mean, it's clear what they're doing. Um, and that goes into sexualization and transgender. I mean, there, there's a whole other topic that we could talk about another time. But they, the, these children are telling us, you know, they're showing us what they're doing. And it's our job to wake up from this. And we're trying to show you, you know, uh, we're trying to wake you up and break down these paradigms. And so we can teach you uh, that this is not right. And so, you know, what they're telling me, the children are telling me is a lot of them are coming in volunteering to be the ones to show us uh, the side effects of all of this, which is why we have such an uprising in, in behavioral issues with children, um, them, them refusing to go to school, uh, them really, you know, showcasing uh, what it, how they feel about this system. And they're, they're outspoken about it from very young age, which is like a lot of the children that I work with, their parents actually had to homeschool them in the last few years because they couldn't take their, they, they're, they're literally, their child would not accept going to school. And it was causing uh, such a, such an enormous uh, rift between uh, the family and the spouses that they just, they, they had to succumb and the children are, are doing way better at home. So, you know, there's so many things going on. The, the system here, the dark system is designed for our children not to thrive. And it's, and it's clear in everything we do with technology, with the food that we, with, with the food that they eat um, and uh, the medical treatment that they receive. Well, everything that happens the first seven years of your life, I mean, that programs you in that so and if you're traumatized in those first seven years in that young age obviously that creates dissociation and, and all kinds of uh be toxic behaviors as an adult right and then they just throw pills at you and that's all part of it so i really think it's important that we get into what a parent can do and especially to guide their children you don't want to like be their master and tell them what they can and can't do i feel like i mean i'm not a parent but i feel i see some parents trying to make their kid, like what they couldn't be or whatever it is. And I feel like we need to kind of just loosen up the reins a little bit, just let the kid evolve in the way that they want to and explore life in the way they want to explore life and just kind of guide them through that process. Maybe you can go into, you know, some of the ways that parents can shift and transition out of that schooling system. Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, a lot of what I've been told is, is that the children are actually here to to teach, to teach humanity and to teach their parents and to break their parents out of their programming. You know, I've learned more from my children than I've learned from any teacher I've ever had in my life and certainly any book that I've read. And then that's what they're doing here for us. And, and the issue is the parents are programmed, you know, and I'm one of them. I used to be that way. And so, you know, your child asks you why you say, because I said so. Why? Because, uh, you know, we've been doing this for my mom did this and my mom, my mom's mom, you know, and so we have to think about that question because they're like, well, what, why does it make it right? You know, these children are asking difficult yeah. questions and a lot of the parents, uh, because of their own pra programming and lack of uh, uh, and lack of the ability to really uh, listen with an open heart and an open mind, they have this this hierarchy structure that we've been programmed into. I'm your mom and dad. You listen to me. Uh, you know, don't talk back. You know, don't say no. Yeah. Yeah. And, than, yeah. Yeah. And if we just listen to them, 
you would be surprised the wisdom that comes through. You know, a lot of parents tell me, Sherry, my child is saying the craziest things. You know, how do I respond? They're telling me that they remember their past life or, you know, the school um, is, is, they'll actually say school is evil and the teachers are programming us. And, and they're like, how do I respond to that? And I say, listen, there isn't a right or wrong. There isn't a, a, an exact wording that you need to say. All they want you to do is listen. That's it. Just sit back and listen and learn. And and then we, now you take that information and you reevaluate and think about it a little bit on your own time and say, gosh, you know, I can't tell you how many times my one of my children said something to me and I'm like, God darn it, they're right. You know, why, why do I, why do I, why do they have to do it that way? And when I really have allowed myself to think about it, I laugh because I'm like, it makes no sense at all. There is no reason for it other than the programming that we've received for generations because it's all about order. It's all about listen to your, listen to your elders, listen to the teachers, listen to the adults, listen, listen, listen. And what that does is it tells it, it dims the light of the child and it makes them feel like they don't have a voice. And what and what, why that's designed that way by the dark side and that's in the system is so that they grow up and they just listen to and they do what they're told and they're good mm -hmm. little boys and they're and good little girls and they lose their sense of self. They lose their yeah. their, their their north, their true north. Yeah. So many adults are walking around in the, in this world. They don't know who they are and they don't like their job. And they hate their parents for it. And they come to me. And those are the adults that I'm working with. And I'm talking about 60, 70-year-old adults, too, that are have grandchildren. And they're looking at me like, where did I go wrong with my life? Can you help me find myself again? And it's no fault of their own. It's just, it. you know, you can't even blame your parents. You can't even blame the grandparents. It's just this generational um, programming that we've we've endured. But one of the biggest mistakes parents make, and I say this over and over, is stop trying to tell your child what to do based on what you think is right, because that doesn't mean anything. So I'm not going to tell my child you can't do something because I said so, because you should do it my way, because perhaps my way isn't the right way. And I've been doing it wrong all along. And they're here to show me a different way. You know, so parents are like, oh, you're going to be a doctor. or You're going to be a lawyer. You're going to do this and you're going to make a lot of money. How many children? Well, maybe you don't. But I hear it every day from these teens and young adults. I don't care about money. And I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do my own thing. I don't want to work for somebody else. They don't, they're coming in with a different energy. You know, they're motivated to do something and they're not motivated by money. They're motivated to do something different. These children are more service to others as opposed to this egocentric service to self mentality that this matrix is designed upon. And it has been for quite some time where it's a lot of ego, it's a lot of power driven right. energy. And those, these children don't want that. And they're and they don't come in that way, but they're programmed and they're traumatized and they are not listened to and they are undervalued and they are not respected. And it it, it just it leaves them. And then they go into the system and they become really unhappy adults. And the system and the cycle continues when they have their own children and they make their children do something that they don't want to do. And they judge them on behaviors that they wish they could change, but they don't know how. And it's right. this vicious cycle that we have to change. And that's why it's so important to start young and allow them to be the, the star seed that they're, that they are, you know, allow them to be themselves. And they're not, every child I think learns differently. Like when you throw, throw a kid into a classroom, I think uh, Heidi pop from raising star seeds. It's another channel, great channel that covers children. Uh, she mentioned like, we're, we're all tuning forks. And the reason why children or anyone falls asleep in school when they're learning this information is because subconsciously you know that it's bullshit 
you, you know that it's mm-hmm. it, it's not uh, like real history, whatever. Subconsciously, you know, it's not, you're not benefiting from that. So your body literally tunes it out and you fall asleep and it's, it's, it's all energy again. But, you know, going back to as early as you can, allow them to be who they are and learn in ways they want to learn and do things yeah. that might not be, that might not seem normal because no one else is doing it. But guess what? Like, there, there is no normal anymore. That's that's the whole concept of uh, unschooling, which is what um, I know Simon Essler and his partner do that with their kids, where he's like, so so the school system basically stifles uh, learning and creativity, and it's by design um, because children before they get that beat out of them by the school system, they want to learn. They they love learning. They love exploring, creating, and exploring, and uh, but but they love doing that naturally and what the school system does is it beats into you all this you know busy work useless information yeah, yeah and 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 like stuff that doesn't interest anyone <laughs> and yeah. and then it and then kids end up hate learning because they hate school they don't hate learning they hate school but it makes them stop that natural cycle that natural process right and it and it and it destroys it and then they end up you know, and then what we just talked about. Yeah. Um, so unschooling is kind of like deprogramming from all that and then getting back on track to like the natural, uh, what they're naturally interested in, their natural gifts and like, and uh, yeah, kind of working with that, like you just said. Yeah, you know, and they're not learning anything of value. So they're right. not retaining any of that information. You know, they, right. they go, they leave for summer, summer break and they come back and they don't remember anything. They learn because they know innately it's not really that important. To know and my son asks me all the time mommy why do i have to know this why am i learning this and i always tell him you don't need to know it it's fine like don't even worry about it like i i think school is a joke right now and and i and i put my children in because i i have been told on a on a spirit level part of their journey is to teach me what's going on in the school system so i know what to change and and i can keep tabs on things and, and get ideas on what not to do um so i try to make it light for them but these children you know they're, they're they, there's so much competition and the grading um, all it's doing is lowering their self-confidence. You know, when you put children up against each other with testing and, and all of these, um, uh, uh, what's it called, state testing and evaluation, mm-hmm. it really stresses out the children. You know, the report cards are, are designed to really cause severe anxiety and stress and, and, and the grade levels. I mean, everything yeah. in, its, in, in its system is designed to cause fear, stress, worry, because they, they need children to be in a constant state of low vibration so that they yeah. don't have the creative spark. It, it, they, they don't want that drive. You know, yeah, and that, exactly. I'm trying to reverse that. I'm trying to create a self-driven environment where children are there because they want to learn. They decide what it is that they want to learn. And it's completely self-directed, organic, and, and holistic. And they're not going to be falling asleep. They're going to be begging their parents, I want to go to Aramis Centers, you know, because they're, they're learning about things that they that are important. And then they're never going to ask, why am I learning this? Because they're not going to understand, oh, I'm learning this because I need to learn how to, you know, where does the food come from? Children think that food comes from the grocery store. Oh, it comes, you know, from Safeway or Giant. Well, where does it come from there? Oh, a truck. Okay, so where does the truck get the food from? I don't know. You know, like, that's a shame that our children have no idea where the food comes from, or they think it comes in a box that says brownie mix, you know, something like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, and sugar. You know, that's a that's a big one that I learned. And it blew my mind when I when this when I learned this a couple of years ago, 
I had a child come to me with an urgent message. I believe, I can't remember because I talked to so many children, but I believe this was a girl. She was uh, younger and they, they had an urgent message from me. This was actually from her spirit guides. And they said, sugar was brought to this earth for a nefarious purpose. They don't tell me where it came from. And I actually talked to Alex Collier at the conference and I asked, I said, do you know? And he said, gosh, I don't know either. Um, but it was brought here because uh, it's not originally grown on this planet. And they brought it here because they know that it, it it's really disruptive to the to for, for children to take. It's highly addictive. And we have studies. I mean, I don't even need to convince anybody. You can go and Google it and, you know, and it's the studies are out. It's not any it's not a conspiracy, right. but they do that on purpose to lower the vibration of children, cause fatigue, cause behavioral issues. Um, and it and it messes with brain development, brain synapses. Um, it causes aggression. I mean, and it's and it's cheap. So it's an easy way for them to target the children. You know, it's really interesting. This reminds me of a documentary I watched years ago on, on Netflix about a tribe in the Amazon that had really had zero contact with white men or any other humans for that matter. So, and then this group went over there and they started getting fired at whatever. They finally got accepted into the village via this translator. And two things they did was introduced religion. Then the second thing is they literally brought cane sugar, cane sugar over on a stick, you know, like the candy cane sugar. So this, this tribe had never been introduced to sugar. They were eating the blandest food possible. It didn't have much flavor. They introduced sugar. And by the time they left, these people were fighting each other, literally almost to the death over that sugar. That's how addicting it was. And it was unbelievable to watch these grown adults act like children like if you were to throw uh bread to birds you know just all fighting over that piece of bread and i'm just like wow look at how off we are that we think that we know better than them to go and shove them shove a bible in their face and give them sugar the two things that are gonna like they're already fine without us yeah yeah I mean, and there are natural sugars derivatives here, like honey and maple syrup and things like that, which, and dates, you know, there are ways to sweeten up your, your diet, but right. not cane sugar, you know, and people think they're buying this organic cane sugar at the store. And I'm like, nope, that's, that's the same thing. Like it's not. So they said, stop, you know, take this out of their diet, which is hard. How can you do that? How can any mother do that or father or grandparent or caregiver right now? Uh, with any with any ease and without any kickback from their child. I mean, I, I didn't let my daughter have candy. I, she was very restricted on, on it. And she her teacher sent me a note. Oh, she, she won't accept any candy during class as a reward. And it's making her feel really embarrassed. And I, I you know, like that put me in a really awkward position because I had to be like, you know what? It's OK. She can have it because it was making her feel like an outcast. And I didn't want that for her. So I had to say, OK, is it should, do I let her be healthy? Or do I let her have the piece of candy so she doesn't feel like an outcast? And, you know, like it's really hard in this in this society to follow what you know is right because they do everything they can. I mean, you can go to Staples or any store that has nothing to do with food and the aisle right before the cashier really low is an array of candy. Why do they do that? It's not for the adults. It's for the children that come with their parents. And so they do that on purpose. You and, know? and none of it's real food. It's all the dyes and the sugars and the toxins. I noticed that yeah. even even at home, ultra processed, even ultra, at the, yeah. the hardware store, Home Depot, like if you're checking out and you want a quick snack as a contractor or working on your home, what you don't have a choice. Like if if you're gonna get something there, you have pick your poison, literally. literally. And and it's uh, 
it's like that in all in all major corporate department stores. Yeah, you know, um, if if we may, I'd like to pivot back to the indigenous uh, uh, topic you just brought up because that is another area that I have been that has come up a lot in the sessions. So one of the things that they said to me, two things, one of which is the way that we treat our elderly um, has completely gone, you know, negative. Um, you know, the elders carry the wisdom. We know that. And indigenous cultures, they have always regarded the elders, you know, with all the wisdom and, and they will purposely place the, the children with the elders so that they, and it, we can see that. Like how many of us say, well, how many of the older generation that have children now say, oh my, my parents are so much more uh, um, patient with my child than they were with me. And it's kind of like, hey, that's not fair. But you know, they're older, they're wiser, they have a lot more life experience and and they can they have more to contribute. So this is designed for a reason so that the elders can bring down the knowledge forward to the children. And they know that so they do everything they can want to cause disease hundred percent, if not mostly to a hundred percent of disease disease that we have in our world. Um, I don't want to say any particular diseases, but pick your poison. Um, is designed by the dark the dark web the dark matrix here you know it's nefarious it's purposely designed so that our elders disconnect in the in the latter of their years of their life and they can't uh spend time with with the young and pass the knowledge on so they just say oh put them in these old people homes we'll take care of them and they they abuse them and they and then they just drop them off and they never see them the way we care for our elder and elderly in this society is wrong and there are a lot of pockets of the world that don't do that, but majority has taken that that notion on, and that's designed in order to disconnect the elderly from passing on important knowledge to the children, but also the humanity in general. You know, that's another thing um, that I found to be really important that nobody's we're not talking about that stuff. We need to respect our elders and the wisdom that they carry. Right. Well, if you right. go if you go back to like Native American cultures and stuff, all these elders have hidden knowledge and star knowledge and all this stuff obviously we're our grandparents have been programmed and you know they're not going to retain that type of knowledge but there is that wisdom and that life experience i agree 100 percent with you there um but what kind of has any information come through about like hidden knowledge from the elders or um, star knowledge i guess um, certain information has come through during sessions, uh, that was pertinent to like that particular child and where they're from and their, their sole mission in this life. Um, I'll have to think about it and write some stuff down and maybe in part two, or I'll go, I'll go back through my hundreds of pages of notes, mm -hmm. but there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of information that's blown my mind. Um, but of course I'm not going to be able to think of one off, off the, off, oh, off hand. No, that's no problem. We can go. I wanted to ask you earlier about labels, um, how we label, label these children at, with ADHD and all that stuff. And, and I know information has come through about that. And I'm just interested to hear what you what yeah. your thoughts were. You know, I didn't seek out to talk about the labels, you know, because I don't like to get into controversial topics and debates. Like I'm not that type of a person. I don't like taking sides and I don't like to upset a lot of people. So I kind of just try to try to remain neutral. But this this kind of came to me um, and I had uh, the first almost the first ever autistic child that I worked with a grandma grandmother years ago asked me to communicate with this particular child and what he wanted to say and why he wasn't talking. And he was only a 
three or four, I think, I can't remember so many years ago, but what he said to me is, and I talked about this at the conference, you know, he said, um, I don't want, I'm sorry, it wasn't about talking. It was looking at people in the eyes. You know, why, why, why won't he, why won't he look at anybody? And he said, I don't want to look at anybody because I can see their demons and they scare me. And what he was basically, he went on more into it. And what he was saying is, you know, the, he could see the energy body of the people. He could see the entourage of uh, entities that are surrounding everybody, both good and bad. You know, we have good ent uh, entourage with angels and, and good spirits, but then we also, people have the dark spirits that follow them. And the dark spirits tend to taunt the children because they know they can see them. So they, so if a child was afraid of an adult, let's say in a grocery store and the parents start to talking to this person and they hide behind mom or dad's leg and they're afraid, there's a reason for it. Maybe that person isn't necessarily a bad person, but the energy that they're around and what they're seeing is not good, you know, and they're also human lie detectors. So this child said, I can see, I can see them. And they, they see more than what's in front. They can read their energy. They can tell if they're lying and they know so much. You can't lie to children these days. I mean, they will call you out on it. They, mm -hmm. they know when you're not being truthful um, They can because they can read energy. They're a master at, at reading energy and they can see the demonic spirits that are around some of these dark people and they, they don't want to see it. And they also like it becomes overwhelming. You know, imagine a child that that meets an adult and all of this information comes that they don't want to know. They don't understand what it means, but they're seeing it all. And it's overwhelming and intimidating. So they hide behind mom or dad because they feel safe. And when mom and dad force them in situations where they're like, oh, no, give, you know, give this person a hug, give uncle blah, 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 a hug you haven't seen in three years. And they're like, I don't want to. You know, this is teaching the children that they should go against their gut, their intuitive, their intuition is telling them, I don't feel comfortable in this situation. But mom and dad are telling me, no, you do it anyways. What do you think that conflict is doing to the child? It's teaching them, I don't listen to myself. I listen to somebody else. Someone else tells me what to do and I listen to it. And then they go through their life doing things that they don't want to do because they don't trust their knowing um, and their mm -hmm. intuition. So that was quite profound when this child told me about that. And that led to many other things. So many sessions after that, I started understanding those labeled ADHD and autistic children and Asperger's had a lot more going on energetically and I was like, this is fascinating. Why don't why don't people know this? And I don't mean that from an ego way, like I was discovering something new, but it was new to me and I hadn't heard anybody talk about it. And I, what I learned is, let's take ADHD, for example. It just means you're hyperactive, right? You don't want to sit still. Well, these children, when you have the higher your frequency and the higher vibration that you give out, the more energy and more light is in your body, right? You can't sit still. A lot of these children, there's so much energy bouncing in and out of them that they can't sit still. There's so much movement. So they, they, they fidget, they move around. They're not going to walk normal. They're normal in our, in our society terms. Nothing is normal. They can't sit still for six hours uh, in, 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 in schooling and listen to a teacher lecture. They can't sit still. And then they're yelled at for not being able to pay attention. They have so much going on. The brain, the brain is firing these synapses. They have, they're, they're so multidimensional. They're thinking a hundred different things at the same time. That's why they're, they're, they're so bored in school because the teacher is monotonously saying the same thing in the same tone. And they're like, oh my God, like, okay, can we get to something else? They, they actually do better with more things happening at the same time. And so they're labeled hyperactive and as if that's a bad thing, when in reality, they're really wise. They're really, they're really, uh, they're really um, act, active in their energy. 
and they need to be able to be provided the opportunity to move around, you know, and swing on the chair, swing in one of those swings in the classroom or sit in a bouncy chair, whatever they need to do so that they feel like they, they need to get that energy out. We have, mm-hmm. when we have an energetic buildup in the body, we have to get it out somehow. We can do it through tears, through sweat, by exercising, through breath. Um, there's lots of different ways. Right. And some of which with children, they don't know how to articulate it or they don't know how to control it so that they have behavioral issues from screaming or hitting because they have to get it out somehow. And if they're made to sit in the chair for a long period of time, they literally will be like exploding with energy and then they act out and they hit or they kick or they do something to the kid next to them. And now suddenly, you know, Billy's in the in the office because he's in trouble again. And then they medicate them and all that's doing is placing them back in the box, the, the little pretty box that everybody in society needs to make sure they're in. And if they're not in it, you're bad. So we got to put yeah. you back in somehow and make you behave, little girls and little boys, and they medicate you. But what that does is it disconnects the life force energy and they become numb and a shell of themselves and they're walking zombies. And parents tell me that all the day, all the time, that I need to get my child off of these meds because he's not here. She's not here anymore. You know, so the energetic perspective of ADHD is much more than what they're being labeled for. It's actually a beautiful thing. Um, When you take Asperger's, they're very left brain individuals. They're highly intelligent and their life purpose is to come through and bring knowledge. They're the innovators, the inventors, the architects of the new world. They have a purpose, a really important purpose. They don't want to mess around. They come here for it. They have a job to do. So they're like, we got to get to work. You know, they're very analytical. They're very logical. Uh, You know, they're very intelligent, very intelligent. But the issue in a human form is that they lack a little bit of empathy not in a way that it's bad, but they're just like, they, they can't relate to human behavior so much because many of them haven't been human before or not many times. So they're just trying to figure out how to navigate being a human. And in their mind, all they want to do, they want to be an adult so they can get to work, um, which remind me about walk-ins. And we can talk about that before we finish today. So uh, Asperger's are just highly intelligent children that happen so happen to not want to be children so they don't want to play with toys they don't do well with other children their age they tend to want to play with older children because they're a very wise high conscious being in a in a little body and they don't like that you know so there's an energetic explanation for everything dyslexia is just a fancy word for saying they don't learn the way that we learn but there's nothing wrong with that you know maybe they're not used to reading because where they come from they download, they, they, they communicate mm-hmm. through, uh, to, through um, telepathy and other ways, you know, it's instant downloading. So coming here to the earth, by the way, at, at, when you're in a multidimensional high density being, reading a book is like, oh my God, it's torture for them. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> and read this book where I come from. It's just there. I want to know it. I tap into the collective consciousness. Boom. I got it. And so they hate to read. Why well, do I have to write? Like, you know, what's what's writing about? Like, I don't want to write this down. So it's not that they're they come they come across as they come across as arrogant, but they're just being their authentic self and they're not apologizing for it. So when you start to understand more about their characteristics, you get it. You're like, okay, I understand why you're being labeled that way, but we got to get rid of the labels because there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. When you when you look at it from that perspective, but when you're trying to categorize them into the human box that they want us to be in, well, of course they don't fit in. And yeah, there is something wrong if you're looking at it from the other perspective. And that's where we are right now. And part of my mission is to get rid of those labels altogether. This also brings me to the point of 
free will. So, you know, we have, apparently this is a free will planet where there's people that say we have the illusion of free will, which uh, I've heard Max Spears describe it as, he said, the controllers have free will. The sheeple do not have free will. That's an illusion. And basically everything you just described shows exactly why humans don't have free will, because you don't, you're, you're not given a choice, you know? And even when you, even when you're an adult, like it's still an illusion. Do we really have free will? No, we still have to pay taxes and pay our bills. Can you get into that a little bit? Cause I know you've touched on that before. I would, I would real quick. I would say we absolutely do have free will. It's that you are, we are manipulated into giving up our free will to the system and to these negative things because we live in this negative matrix slave plantation that everything we're taught is the opposite of, uh, what it should be and that what would actually serve us it's like so we're always manipulated to to willingly do things against our own best interests and that hurts us and our kids and everything else right but th- but free th- will in a sense that's yeah the, the concept and it's it's like a theory like the theory is that we should all be on a free will planet but because we're in the system we don't have the free will but yeah it's a free will planet but we're manipulated away from we're that and it becomes an illusion of free will and I, you can add to that. It's You know, you're both right. You're both right. And this is the problem with human language, which is another reason why children don't speak, the ones that don't. They know that the words that we speak are spells, that they uh, emit frequencies, they shift our energy, and they don't want to say the words because we're just arguing about what right now? Not that you're arguing, but the point is... It, the way we say things and, and our beliefs are, are extremely dictated by this matrix that, that we're in and the programming. But when you get into free will, I mean, everybody talks about free will. Anybody you watch on any spiritual or truth or channel, they're going to say, oh, we have free will. Um, and I think, and I, you know, I'm calling BS on that. And I learned that through the children. They're like, this isn't free will. You're told that you have free will, that this is a free will planet. But at the end of the day, it's it's free will in a, in a, in a, in a, um, in a environment that's controlled so think about it with parents you know when i when i do parenting um when i help parents navigate through what i call spirited children that can be difficult i say give them choices so you know they can have a or b but they so they feel like they are um empowered and they have a voice but you're giving them the parameters that you are comfortable with so that they that they can choose from right so that's that's making it very simple but when you take free will on a larger scale with humanity i believe the same thing is being done to us with what i call the powers that were that are no longer in control but the 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 way this matrix was designed that that we're manipulating and we're controlling humanity they have designed a network of what they what they the control parameters so that we feel as though we are we have a voice and we have free will, but we have no willpower. You know, we don't have any power um, because it's it's designed within, okay, you can choose from these things. And anybody that decides to go outside of that is a conspiracy theorist or they're wonky or they're bipolar, they're You're schizophrenic, or they're, yeah. they're, they're taken out. All the these build. things, they do everything that they can to make them look like a quack or a bad person. And that's how it's been for a long time. And I feel for those people that really tried to speak out and they were just take they they just they just lost the battle, um, but that's where we are. It's not free will. It's not true free will. But what the children are telling me, or it hasn't been. But what they're telling me is that that is changing, and they're coming in, and that's why they have an attitude. That's why they don't listen. That's why they're argumentative and they're stubborn and they're strong willed because mm-hmm. 
they are they are not going to accept the parameters of their this free will this convoluted free will is what i like to call it they are like nope we're breaking all the parameters uh paradigms down and then now we rebuild it with true free will right right amen yes right it's exactly what needs to happen yes and you see it happen i mean you like you just said these children they're not the same as I was like kids are doing things nowadays that I wasn't even thinking about at a young age. They're coming in with like that remembrance. They don't have all the amnesia. I don't think like we had, it's really interesting. It's like a true star seed and they remember even galactic heritage and knowledge and all that stuff. So uh, yeah. I want to go back to we were, you were talking about children being able to see the demons and, and the demons taunt them because they can see them. Now this leads into nightmares and psychic attacks and things that happen and I know this is a big issue because I I know parents who struggle with their who struggle with parenting because their children are being attacked or waking up sharing these horrific stories of what's happening to them. What has any information come through surrounding that? This is probably the the biggest topic that comes up with I would say seventy five percent of my sessions. It comes up almost every single time. Um, this is a real thing. You know, it's our children are attacked the most at night when they're sleeping um, because we are the most vulnerable when we are sleeping because we uh, many of us, if not all, uh, astrally travel at, uh, on some some level. And so we are more vulnerable to psychic attack and these demonic entities and these uh, bad spirits coming and taunting the children. You know, I talk about the movie Nightmare on Elm Street uh, that was popular when I was young. Uh, it, that's not that's a real thing like that is that not that not exactly how they presented it but the the notion of being attacked in and tormented in your dreams is a real thing it happens um and i never experienced it i experienced that as, as a child but i never experienced it with my two boys until my daughter came and around two years old she just screamed bloody murder in the middle of the night and I, she was like uncontrollable. Like I, I couldn't calm her down. It was like she saw like the most terrifying thing and she couldn't articulate it at the time. But from that night on, she would not sleep in her room by herself. And she's now eight and she just started sleeping in her room when we moved into this house just a few months ago. So this was a really real thing. And she's tormented and woke and they will literally wake you up. They will come into your room. They will attack you in your dreams. And, and many parents that I talk to, their children will describe these beings in the exact same way. So how is it that a child in the United States can see the same thing Canada is seeing and a child in Australia and a child in Italy? They're all seeing the exact same red-eyed monsters and they and there's a lot of different categories that I've kind of um, noticed. But how how is that possible? They don't talk to each other. They don't know each other. I haven't seen these things in children's cartoons. So it it's a very real thing. And one of the, so one woman was fed up and said, I've been sleeping with my my child for almost a year now. Um, I my husband's getting upset, you know, I don't know what to do. You know, is my child playing me or is 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 he really being attacked at night and, and like he says, and is he really scared or is he just being uh taking advantage of me? And I knew he wasn't, but I didn't, I was like, well, let me see what, what they have to say. And he said, I, and he was being attacked. Uh, he saw the red eyed monsters. And he said to me, he said, you know, what he said was, uh, animals sleep in packs. Why don't you? Because I said, well, why won't you sleep by yourself? And he said, well, animals sleep in packs. Why don't you, you know, nature 
they know, they know innately how to remain safe. And you're not going to see a pack of wolves sleeping in separate areas of the woods. They're going to sleep together uh, in a way that they feel connected and safe so that if something comes around to try to attack them, they're all together and safe. And in indigenous, many indigenous cultures, they do the same thing. You know, the families all sleep in one main room or the mom sleeps with the children. You know, there's different variations to it, but they do that by design because we're not supposed to be separated in different quarters. Like, you know, like we have all these different bedrooms and everyone is separated, especially the infants. You know, the infants in their own little nursery, when they started doing that, like that was clearly an infiltration from the dark side to to put that information out to the public like this is normal it was in all the movies all the tv shows suddenly the child was outside of the parents room in a, in a nursery you know and so it's it's a it's a way for the children to be um in a in a situation where they're vulnerable and unfortunately most children i think are um they're not taken serious by their parents and they tell them, oh, just go back to bed. And, and mm -hmm. they're scared and they cry. Many children tell me they cry themselves to sleep every night, you know, and, and they're afraid and they are genuinely attacked. And I slept with my daughter for years, for years, because I, she was, would be beside herself screaming and crying and shaking. I knew she wasn't lying. You know, she was being attacked every single night. And so it's a real thing. Um, there's something called SIDS. I don't want to say the words because I don't want to get you flagged. But, you know, that that is a real thing that occurred in the 80s and 90s because the dark ones would come in and disconnect the life force from the children because they were light workers. And they came to the planet to do something important and they got rid of them. Um, the, you know, nobody had an explanation. And they, yes, the, these things did contribute to that, but they were literally disconnected. The life force energy was sucked out of them. and they they didn't they passed away from that so that's another thing that they taught me i had no idea until right. they started telling me about that yeah it's very real especially the attacks and children seeing things i mean i know that even as as an adult who gets attacked or used to a lot um i know listening to other testimonies and other stories people describe the same exact shit i'm like you know there's no way you can make this up anymore but my little brother he used to be scared of what he would call the white santa claus and mm -hmm. He, he was afraid to go to sleep and he would always be afraid of this thing. Well, the neighbor, a couple of houses down, their son, one day they came over and they were telling, oh yeah, Mike can't sleep. He keeps seeing this white man and this gray beard. And, and they're like, no way. So like, it's the same entity attacking all the children on the same street. And you know, they're not, the kids weren't talking about it to each yeah. other. It's a real thing. It really is. Um, so the best advice I can give the parents that are in a situation where their children are suffering from nightmares and they're feeling like, you know, should I let them sleep with me? You know, of course it's a personal choice, but I'm, I'm going to tell you that your child is not making it up and it is very real. How you handle it is up to you. But if you can put your, so when I stopped sleeping with Aramis, I did that because, <clears throat> you know, I do have a husband and at one point he said, you know, I need to sleep with my wife. And, and I had to, you know, think about that, you know, and two years is a long time. Um, and so what I did is I put Aramis with one of her brothers and they slept together for years and she felt safe with him. And so, you know, I know people who don't have multiple siblings that may not be an option, but you know, if you, if sometimes people will uh, let the dog sleep with the child in the room, like there are other things that you can do, but the point is, is to listen to them because if they, if they don't feel like they can trust you and you don't believe them, what else are they going to feel like they can't trust you? And what else are they going to feel like they can't tell you because they won't um, 
they won't be believed, you know, and, and it's really right. important. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. I've heard this. A lot of parents say this. Oh, it's just a dream. It's just a dream. Like the mm. kids aren't taught to, you know, not, it's funny because as an adult, they're like, oh, get a dream journal, write it down. But when they're a child, they're like, oh, it's just a dream. Go back to sleep. You know, if if they were taught to start learning from their dreams at an early age, I, it would be a lot different. You know, things would be a lot different. And the parents won't be so quick to dismiss these negative attacks that they don't understand. And And that's not the parents' fault because like I know somebody who's dealing with, they don't know what to do and it scares them also. And yeah. it's really interesting, the information about sleeping in a pack. That, that to me is something I never thought about before. It, it's true. Every animal on the planet does that, you know, and not yeah. every animal, but for not the most, everyone, but most, most of for the most do. part, like, you know, it's a unit and obviously that's for survival purposes. It's really no different. Yeah. Um, Wow, there's uh, we've been covering a lot. So, um, I, I do have a question about when you're talking about talking to these children, and you start mentioning, um, you're getting into like galactic information, like past life information, or maybe you were from Orion or something. Like, how do the kids receive that information? Or, I mean, most of the time they're open to it, but I know some children I talk to, if I ask them, they believe in aliens. Like, oh no, that's not real, you know. So I just wonder what that looks like from ch child to child. You know, that's a really good question. Uh, for some reason, I think, well, not for some reason, nothing's by accident, but I, I tend to attract the families with the children that want to know and are interested. So I would say 95% of the sessions that I've done with hundreds of children, they were excited to know, they were open to it and very curious. Some of the younger ones, uh, obviously they're too young. Like some, some of them are, have been infants. Some of them have been, you know, less than a year old or two years old and aren't really ready to understand that intellectually on a, on, on a child's level. Um, so it was more for the parent. Um, but majority of the time, um, it resonates with the children and they get really excited to know because they want to know where they're from. And I always tell them, you know, everybody's from the same place. We're all from the light. We're all light. You know, mm -hmm. we don't actually originate from one particular planet. Um, that's not real. But what happens is you, 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 your soul has had many lifetimes in this particular place and that's home to you. Does this resonate with you? Um, and it can be Orion, it can be Andromeda, it can be Arcturus, wherever, you know, I've, I've communicated with lots of different children, but there had, there seems to be, if I had to come up with like an average, a lot of children are coming from Alpha Centauri, um, in the last couple of years. And that seems, I have a lot from there. Um, why that is, I've been told that the, that it's not necessarily the children that are from there, uh, but it seems there seems to be some sort of hub there um, where they volunteers from different places come there to learn about being a human being because many, many, many children that are coming in right now or souls that are coming through as children have never been human before. Maybe not even, may, maybe not have ever even been on earth so they have to train and I talked to one child that was training for 150 human years to our years to them it was much faster but it would be equivalent to 150 of our years to train to be a human being that's why there's a lot of children out there that are what they people society say oh they're awkward they talk funny they look different they act different they walk different you know um they're weird 
Uh, and that's because they're trying to figure out how to fit in. They're trying to feel like how to, many of them didn't even are they have had a light form. So they're not used to the body. They feel it's very heavy. It's very dense. It's mushy. It's smelly. They've told me um, they don't like our food. They're not used to eating. Uh, most of these children say, I can't even imagine eating meat. We don't eat meat where I come from. We don't eat this much food. They don't want to eat as much. Um, you know, there's so many different things that they're trying to um, kind of blend in with our environment. Some of them are doing really well and some struggle, really struggle with it. And they feel like outcasts. They know they're not from here and they know they're different. And I think those are the parents that see me and they're like, oh my God, that's my son. That's my daughter. And when I talk to them, they light up because they're like, finally, somebody gets me. Finally, someone understands me, you know? And it, it breaks my heart sometimes, but it's also a good thing because they finally connect with somebody, but I believe it's changing. And they came in here with a big purpose and we are going to shift very soon. And we have gradually been shifting for the last probably 15, 10 to 15 years, but more condensed in the last three to prepare ourselves because I believe 2023 is the year of, of great shift. Like it's a lot will happen next year and we're going to see a lot of change. A lot is happening too. It's just hard to notice whenever everything's so chaotic, but it's it's happening gradually. It's, I mean, it, you can't yeah. if you know where to look, you see it, and um, I, I think it's very apparent sometimes. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. But I do want to go into walk-ins. You mentioned uh, this would lead perfectly into a walk-ins, yeah. and this is something I'm actually curious about because I don't fully understand. I understand the concept of the walk-in, but I'm I don't know what kind of information you have. Yeah. Okay. So, well, traditional, if there is such a word, uh, meaning for walk-ins, it has been in the past for a couple of reasons, but generally it's the soul of the, of the, of the person that really is struggling and wants to leave. And I cannot like, literally it's petitioning to, to God, their soul group. Um, I can't be in this body. I will commit suicide. I will do this. I I'm, I'm, I'm I can't be here. And if that person's role in humanity is extremely important, like if they were to leave, it would really cause a negative ripple effect for many lives and it would and it would mess up the trajectory of all these people. They can't. So what they'll do is a, a walk-in will come in and agree to take over that person's life. Many walk-ins don't know their walk-ins previously, but I think in the last probably 50 years or so, the walk-ins know they're, they're, they're like, oh, I know I'm a walk-in. And many of them, there are many talking about their stories all over the internet and they have books. Um, so what the children have been telling me is that there are a lot of children walk-ins right now for a different reason. Because a lot of these children are not used to being human or maybe they've been human before, but they are much more evolved because they've been someplace else. They're coming back. They know what it's like to be a child. Nobody... I wouldn't say nobody, you can't ever say anything 100% with certainty, but majority of people don't like to be a child. It's really hard, uh, especially when you're so wise to listen and be in a child's body in that consciousness and this reality and listening to everybody when, you know, you know it when you're like, oh, stop telling me what to do. And, you know, they want to be so much older than they are because they know innately that they are just so much more than the age that, they, mm -hmm. that they're in and they really struggle. And then there are those that are coming in for the first time and they're like human babies and toddlers are like too primal for me. I can't even, I can't even deal with it. I don't want to do it. I, and literally they've told me 
So what they do is they have a, an insert. So it's their life the whole time, but from the time that they're that the child is born, there is a an insert, a walk-in first that agrees to be a child for them. And and these are generally angelic beings or souls that are very used to being a human and they're okay and they can adapt and they'll be like, okay, I could easily take your place. And they will come in um, up until a, a certain amount of years, whatever they've decided. It could be one year, two years, four years, five years, seven. And then at that point in which the soul has decided, okay, I can come in, then that soul that has been in that body will leave. And then the real person that's a soul that's supposed to be in this life that has the, the long-term journey will come in. And it's pretty evident to the parents. They know that because they have a marked personality change. Suddenly they're really calm before they were, were not, or they have an extreme aversion to certain foods, whereas they did before, didn't before. And they generally do walk-ins walk usually come in through um, some sort of minor surgery. So a lot of children that get tonsillectomies um, or some sort of quick medical procedure that's not too invasive, they'll use that opportunity to switch. Um, that's very common. Um, or if there's some sort of um, injury that is um, puts them all out a little bit, then they'll come in that way as well. So there are a lot more walk-ins than ever we've ever seen before, but, th but it's their choosing because they don't want to be a child. They want to kind of come in where they feel like they can get their bearings and then proceed forward and not have to be too primal because it's really hard to do that. Right. That's, uh, th I've heard that similar concept with secret space program. I know this is shifting it off a little bit, but I've heard the concept of somebody uh, basically their soul incarnating, let's say, even on a ship or another planet or whatever. And then they come down here. They're born as a human to see how that soul is going to take to the human body. They they come already knowing they're going to go back into the program, but they have to see how that soul is going to take to the human body. And then like at a certain age, that's when they come and actually they swap, do a walk-in or some type of swap and the 20 and back happens or whatever. But it's an interesting concept. It's not the same as a walk-in, but uh, it just makes you wonder about like, we, yeah. we, we sign up for this stuff before we ever get here. Absolutely. I, I, that's what I believe now. Am I right? I think so, but who knows, you know, we mm -hmm. only know what our consciousness and our perception um, of our vibration at, the, at that time, you know, and it can change later and our beliefs can change and that's fine because we're always evolving. But another, another important point with the walk-ins is that because these children are really high density and their vibration is so high, our human bodies up until probably 2000 to 2005 couldn't hold these the energy like it, our bodies like literally short circuit and it's almost like these souls are allergic i've actually been told this that this one child used this term i'm allergic to the environment here mm -hmm. it's too dense um and so their physical bodies can't withstand all the energy and they have to integrate so they either come in um partially which is similar to disassociation but by design like they Parts of them come in, fractals of them come in um, a little bit at a time to get the body used to it. Otherwise, the body, they would have illness, not because of nefarious purposes, but because the body short circuits, it's too, too much. They'd have neurological issues and many other issues um, because the body can't withstand that much energy within it. So that's why many women who have starseed children have miscarriages or have trouble getting pregnant because the, there's too much energy in the womb 
So their body has to have um, an, uh, what do I call it? Like um, an energetic pregnancy first, where the body, the energy of the mom and the baby integrate first outside the body and slowly integrate until the conception takes place. And then over the the, the period of, of gestation, more and more energy comes through. There's so, I mean, we, there are so right. many ways we can take this conversation and there's so many layers to it, uh, but it just blows your mind. Like you think, you know, but you, we, we have no idea. It, it reminds me of Laura Van Tyne. I'm not sure if you're aware of her, um, but she got information through a session one time that said, they said a, a baby can live up to two weeks where they can be born and live up to two weeks without having a soul. And this is because sometimes the mother or the parents, or the mother would be a drug addict or whatever the case is, they don't match the frequency of their mother. And they literally can't, that soul can't be in there at that same time. That's why a child will be born. And sometimes they look lifeless for a couple of days or whatever it is up to two weeks. I don't know if that's true, but when she said that, it really got me thinking because it's true. Sometimes you see the little baby that doesn't look like anyone's home yet. Uh, and I 100% agree with her. I, I don't know about up to two weeks. I've never really asked how long, but I have seen that. And I and I do believe that that happens um, for many reasons, like you just mentioned. But sometimes it's it's that the child uh, is being called here. The soul is being called here, but there's, they're not quite ready to come through yet. There's something else going on where they're at, that they're at, that they're uh, finishing up. And so they have just enough life energy to keep the body alive. But you could tell like, something they're not home, you know, and then they enter when, when it's, when it's time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's, I mean, it's pretty apparent. I think that is the case, which also going back to the birthing, the whole umbilical cord thing too. I've heard that the longer you leave that attached, that's still, they're still getting like for one nutrients, but two, they're, that's when they're truly connected to source or to that, through that portal and they're getting downloads still, they're still getting information and I don't know if you had any information come through on that. It's a hundred percent true. Um, you know, a lot of the indigenous cultures uh, keep the umbilical cord connected until it falls off and they wrap it up and put herbs and put it in a basket. And it takes about five to seven days for the umbilical cord to dry up. So even if you cut it in the hospital, like we do here in the States and many places, uh, they still have a good part of it, you know, that that is that wilts in and curls up and then it falls off five to seven days later. So most cultures, what they do is they leave it attached because they they are getting important nutrients and their life force is still connected to that because it's all, once the blood stops pumping, it's still there's still an energy flow and they understand they understand that. Um, but here they're abruptly. I mean, I, I was a hypnobirthing practitioner for years, so I taught women how to have a more natural birth using self-hypnosis, relaxation techniques and breathing. So you, you don't need to have medication and you can bring your baby in, in a more empowering, comfortable way for the mom and the child so that the birthing experience is positive um, and less traumatic for the baby, because I believe that's important. And when, what we learned is that they purposely cut that cord right as soon as the baby comes out. I mean, they did it with all three of mine before I knew better and they cut it immediately and there's still blood pumping through that thing like that's valuable blood that that they're losing and nutrients and then on top of that 
they bag it up and well, we know what they do with it. We won't get into that right now, mm. but really, you know, we should be banking that if we decide to cut it, we should be banking those stem cells because those are valuable to the child. If they need them later, if they become ill, you know, everything that we're doing in this society is completely ass backwards. You know, it's designed that way on purpose though, right? Because they don't yeah. want us to know how powerful we are. And another big thing that the children are telling me is we have to get this savior complex like out of our consciousness, like where did we, where did we go wrong with that? And even to this day, I still listen to podcasts and certain people talk about, we're going to be saved by this. I don't want to use any names because I I like to remain neutral. I don't take sides. You know, people see me affiliate with certain people and they're like, Oh, well, you're on that team now. And now you're right, yeah. Oh, now you're on that there and that channel. And, and I'm just like, I don't even answer that because I'm an individual. I'm a sovereign, liberated being, and I don't take sides. I don't believe anyone's coming to save us. I think the pur- purpose of this ascension is for us to use discernment. And a lot of these are psyops. A lot of these take this side or that side is a complete farce. It's a psyop. Again, it's testing our will. What is our willpower? Are we going to be? Are we going to succumb to taking this side and believing this person or this this team versus the other? You're losing your power. People don't even realize it, and it's happening to them every single day. Just because you stop watching CNN doesn't mean that you're evolving. If you're now giving your power away to somebody else right. and and waiting for this false savior, this is the biggest thing. One of the biggest things that the children teach me: we have to find our true north, ourselves. We have to. The more strong we are in ourself and centered and balanced we have more life force energy coming through the body we will know literally we will know everything we need to know we will see through all the lies we will see through all the illusions and we won't need a savior we will recognize that we are the our own savior and if we all work together we all have compassion and kindness for one another we all evolve as a group in a loving cohesive environment of oneness and unity who cares about these supposed saviors we don't need them and you know, it 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 baffles my mind when I see people arguing about the same thing and what side you're on. They're not learning anything and they're not evolving. I'm sorry, like this is getting ridiculous. And the children are trying to teach us that. Yes, that was beautifully said. I couldn't agree Amen. with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. And when you yes. really think about the whole savior thing, we understand how everything is a program. Why isn't that a program also? To, yeah. you know, to be programmed to expect the savior because it stops you from doing everything that you just described um, yeah. and going on that path of self-discovery. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up on that note. I'm, I'll give you a chance to uh, let people know how they can find you and you can talk a little bit more about the Creative Learning Center if you want, and then we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Yeah, perfect. So um AramisCreativeLearningCenter.com is the website for the uh, Learning Center for Children. Um, you can contact me through there. So I'll make it real simple for everybody. Um, we do uh, have a uh, nonprofit that we started called the Aramis Collective. So it's the AramisCollective.com. And we do uh, accept donations. Everything that I'm trying to create is supposed to be free education for children, but we need the community support right now so that we can get the platform up and running. So, you know, any any um, donations is so much appreciated. We have a cartoon animation series for children that I created about a year and a half ago. We have 14 episodes. We're working on the 15th right now where children can learn a variety of topics like we've talked about today, but in a way that's, you know, fun for them. And and they see it with other children learning at the same time. We have six, almost seven books out that are modeled off of the animation. So donations help to help us keep those going. Um, 
what else was I going to say? Yeah, I guess that's everything. Uh, if you want to contact me, you can contact me through Aramis Creative uh, Learning Center um, website. Yes, and we're looking forward to the first location in Florida. It'll happen. Yes. I know it's going to happen. Yeah, and a yeah. great place for it too. Uh, well, this was incredible. The, I mean, yeah. there's stuff I know I could have gotten into, but it takes it in a completely different direction. And for the sake of time, uh, we'll definitely have to do a part two and have you back on. But we look forward to having you join us at the conference, which, guys, don't forget, tickets go on sale tomorrow. Uh, all that will be posted on social media. We'll probably make a post on YouTube about it. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but Sherry will be there. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Really looking forward to to that. It's going to be fun. Um, any last words, Aaron, Sherry? No, no I, I'm excited to go to the conference. Thank you for inviting me. I can't wait to see you guys in person um, and uh, all the other uh, guests that you've invited. And yeah, I look forward to it. So thank you for having me today on your show. Yeah, thank you yeah, so much. Thank you so much. Uh, all right, guys, thank you. We love you all. We appreciate your support. We can't do it without you. Have a great evening and we will see you next time.